Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of Only Alpha. If you're listening to this but haven't subscribed, join our community of edgy investors interested in learning more about the markets and receiving recommendations on single-name stocks in the consumer, cannabis, and tech industries. It's completely free. So for this week's post, I want to do an industry deep dive of the fitness industry and how it not only has but will continue to drastically change in the post-pandemic world. I'll go over what it, it was, is, and will become of the industry and ways that as investors, we might be able to capitalize on the shifting floor beneath our feet. My points in reference include fitness pre-COVID, essentially what life was like, fitness during COVID, how fitness evolved, fitness post-COVID, fitness re- post-reopening, uh, and the key takeaways of the uh, prior three points, and how to play this industry. These are broad little topics, but I will dive deeper into each while mentioning shifts to at-home fitness, the digital revolution, focus on mental health, and what consumers are looking for going forward. So to kick things off, uh, pre-COVID age of fitness. As some of us might remember, working out or getting some type of exercise involved being outdoors or going to a gym slash fitness studio in order to achieve this goal. Before the coronavirus pandemic, the Global Health Club industry finished the decade with record performance. Worldwide industry revenue totaled $96.7 billion in 2019, as more than 184 million members belong to nearly 210,000 health and fitness facilities. So just like my girl Fergie said, I'd be up in the gym just working on my fitness. He's my witness. Well, I think it was like, ooh, ah. All right, enough of the corny jokes. What's interesting is that more than one in five Americans, about 21.2%, belong to a health club or studio in 2019. In fact, the growth of the United States health club consumers grew 27% from 58 million in 2010 to over 73 million in 2019. Additionally, the gym and health club industry, some would argue, almost had a monopoly on what traditional exercise was pre COVID. Among gym members who actively used their membership in 2019, 55.4 million went to the gym at least twice a week, while 14.3 million went to the gym at least once a week. There really wasn't another true option for consumers to use. Digital workouts were slowly being introduced to the market, but not with the intention of replacing traditional in-person fitness, but rather as a potential uh, source of revenue and effort of retaining existing comp- uh, customers. Uh, MindBody, a fitness software company, said 7% of customers it surveyed in 2019 used live stream workouts. Other tech companies were looking to allow fitness enthusiasts to buy credits to various fitness clubs so they could uh, didn't just belong to one cough-cough classes, class pass. Uh, though this wasn't a digital experience, it was a digital way to access physical brick-and-mortar places, and the consumer base went along with it. Bottom line, people's only widely available option was in person, and whether you bought single memberships or credits, etc., being physically present was the super dominant option to take advantage of exercising. But if we fast forward to uh, fitness during COVID, uh, come March of 2020, as many of us so vividly remember, the world went into lockdown and what we all believed was going to be a nice two-ish week vacation. Uh, Joke of the year. Anyways, once we all realized that this was not going to just be a two-week furlough, Consumers needed to get access to exercise in their quarantine-ridden life, aka their home slash apartment. With in-person gyms and clubs temporarily closed, everyone to, everyone went to grab whatever fitness equipment they could get their hands on, 
resistance bands, free weights, yoga mats, physical fitness machines, pull-up bars. I personally waited weeks for mine, flew off the shelves as quickly as they could be listed. eBay listers were even price gouging weights for three to four times the going price because of how much demand there was. For those that couldn't get access to any legitimate equipment, DIY equipment ballooned during the lockdown with YouTube views of at-home DIY equipment slash workout videos, you know, the ones where you can create a barbell from uh, grouped water jugs, etc., surpassing over 100 million views. So with no access to in-person classes and little to no access to equipment, where did people turn to? Drum roll. Digital. Any industry that could be turned digitally did so during peak COVID. Fitness, telehealth, grocery shopping, those ultra-fast delivery options, everything. This was the tipping point that digital fitness needed to become mainstream. Just like I reported above with MindBody, they said 7% of customers surveyed used live stream fitness in 2019, which then jumped to 80% after lockdown. Uh, there are actually some very interesting figures to support just how much of an impact this shift was since March of 2020. In fact, 73% of consumers are using pre-recorded video versus 17% in 2019. 85% are using live stream classes weekly versus 7% in 2019. 56% of respondents exercising at least five times per week. Hashtag FitLife. Uh, also, consumers who reported that body image issues or feeling embarrassed by lack of experience had previously kept them from joining fitness studios Live streaming has made them feel more comfortable trying to uh, new, make new classes prior than the lockdown. Digital classes were much cheaper than in-person gyms and studios too. In fact, the average cost of a digital class is about $11, about half the price of the average in-studio class. Peloton even got its day of reckoning, proving that their mere tablets on stationary bikes had a massive market by selling out so fast that their wait list was months long for those that had already purchased the bike. Their stock price reflected this boom in demand, surging over 400% in 2020, eclipsing the S&P 500's 18% return in the same period. However, for physical brick and mortar clubs to survive, they needed to adapt. This meant that a once back of mind thought of offering digital content or services now became the key to their very survival. Club Intel found that 27% of the 2,000 people who participated in an online survey said their fitness clubs offered digital fitness during COVID closures. While this allowed them to stay in the game, this was by no means a full replacement of the $15 billion lost revenue from clubs and fitness studios being closed. In fact, eight major chains filed for bankruptcy and 17% of fitness centers closed permanently, according to the industry trade group IHRSA. Uh... But for even with the tremendous shift in how people work, what does this mean for the future of fitness? Uh, so new section, new age of fitness with the shift in how people exercised during the pandemic. Let's talk about what will continue going on or will change in a post-COVID world. Uh, firstly, health and wellness is the key to success. From the start of the pandemic, many Americans decided that this event was the catalyst needed to help put more emphasis on their health. In fact, 40% of the general population surveyed in the McKinsey report now consider wellness a top priority in daily life. Additionally, 68% of survey respondents reported that they prioritized their health more after the onset of the pandemic. Exercise is also the most commonly reported tool for relieving stress. 65% of gym goers surveyed reported using exercise as stress relief. Bottom line, 
individuals are prioritizing themselves first these days. This even trickles down to what perks and benefits companies provide their employees, such as wellness stipends, discounted gym memberships, and digital resources free of charge. Uh, But don't count in-person fitness out just yet. Just like Peloton had a spectacular rise in 2020, it sure as hell crapped the bed in 2021. The stock was down over 75% for the year, while many investors abandoned the stock as they noticed a slowdown in the company's growth and life returning somewhat back to normal. At the same time this was happening, investors were rotating out of high-flying, not-yet-profitable companies in favor of stable, cash-flow-generating ones. In this instance, Planet Fitness. While that gym stock was only up a meager 4% in 2020, the sector rotation into safer names sent the stock up over 22% in 2021. Looking at it face value, there seemed to be a big shift in investor sentiment towards reopening plays and not necessarily believing so heavily for returns in expensive tech names. Aside from price movements, in the public market, consumers actually do want to get out of those house when they exercise. According to MindBody, who I'm clearly using as a very good benchmark here, a third of consumers surveyed stated that they plan to visit more studios after trying new workouts virtually, and that 40% of consumers are booking workouts with studios they have never physically visited before, allowing businesses to reach digital-first clients. Adding fuel to fire, from the same McKinsey report that I mentioned earlier, 70% of business or fitness consumers reported missing their gym as much as they miss family and friends. And while many long to return to their gym again, overall engagement is higher than previously recorded. Amongst fully vaccinated consumers, 35% went to the gym in the first few months of 2021, an improvement over gym's pre-pandemic penetration of about 25% in the United States. Bottom line, as economies reopen, gyms and studios should re-examine their value propositions and place them in the context of consumers' portfolio approach to fitness, particularly embracing their potential as third places community hubs where members can focus on themselves. But that doesn't mean digital fitness is here to stay. Uh, In the end, digital-enabled solutions have evolved from low-cost alternatives and add-ons to standalone offerings that are a regular part of consumers' lives. In fact, 46% of MindBody survey participants stated that they intend to make virtual classes a regular part of their routine, even after their studios reopen. With the overall shift in how working is conducted, working from home versus on-site, people are integrating their lives with more technology. This is where society is, and it's just going to get more integrated. To prove a point, one Peloton user described the convenience of a at-home fitness providing extra flexibility in her life, saying, I can roll out of bed and not worry about running to the gym, and I don't have to add an extra half hour for my commute. In a world where the demands of your daily life seem to only go up, having the ability to trim some fat off your day, and hopefully your body, just can't be beaten when your fitness studio is in your house. Community and interactions are important, however. While many of us had to turn to digital classes to exercise during the pandemic, a key component was missing that is just difficult to achieve virtually, which is the sense of community. Downloads in the use of fitness health apps grew during the pandemic, but people seem to be the real draw. During the few free weeks of lockdown, March 9th to the 24th of 2020, Overall downloads of health and fitness apps grew 27%, but apps that include a community component saw four times as many downloads. A sense of community that really stems from personal interactions with others helps develop new bonds and holds individuals accountable. Research shows that the healthy actions of others tend to rub off on us. One study found that participants move towards the exercise behaviors of those around them. 
Another study found that overweight people were more likely to lose weight if they spent time around their fit friends. Bottom line, it's hard to get that sense of feeling from a virtual class compared to in person. There's something about having an instructor yelling in your ear to keep going or seeing the other person lifting beside you, uh, just lifting more. And that really brings out that inner competitive nature in yourself. So the key takeaways of all this, number one, the future of fitness will be hybrid. That means consumers having a mix of at-home and in-person exercising options, which translates to in-person gym and fitness studios not being dead. Number two, fewer pickings. With the closure of many fitness gyms and boutique studios, total supply or the availability has been reduced, helping support the gradual increase in average unit volumes for physical locations, aka how much money they're making. Point number three. Emphasis on one's health and wellness will continue to be at the forefront of individuals' minds, leading to increased exercising engagement. Point number four, whether you got the vaccine or not, people will continue to exercise in some sort of capacity. So how to play this industry? With the future of fitness not leading towards one end of the spectrum, you know, digital versus in-person, betting on the future of fitness will need to be targeted. A few themes to potentially target. Number one, reopening play. Essentially betting on people returning back to physical locations that not only meet but exceed pre-pandemic levels. Number two, wearables and at-home fitness. Connected fitness in general is becoming a big focus for health and wellness tracking. Continued shift from corporate wear. Continued growth in athleisure occurring as a result of the work-from-home momentum and generally increased engagement in exercising. Below, I've actually listed out a few names in various categories that could support these themes. So if we're looking at direct fitness names, I've listed out seven. Uh, We have Peloton, Planet Fitness, F45 Fitness, which is a a franchise model, Exponential Fitness, which is a cluster of franchises, uh, MindBody, Nautilus, and Lifetime Group. If we're looking at indirect fitness names, we have companies like Apple, uh, Google through its Fitbit, uh, Dexcom for like glucose monitoring, Lululemon, Under Armour, and Nike, which are all the apparel brands. Uh, I think if you plan on investing directly into f- a fitness name, one that is either currently at or near profitability will be able to withstand more Fed tightening and interest rates rising. So some names that I like. I personally like Exponential Fitness. In full disclosure, I am currently invested in the company. Uh, I like them mainly because it's a basket of boutique fitness studio brands, which I almost view as a pseudo fitness ETF. The company is not yet profitable, but should be reaching profitability in the next year. They operate through a franchise model, so it's very asset light and only exceeds if its franchisees succeed. Uh, If you want to invest indirectly into the health and wellness uh, fitness trend, then you can't discount the big players like Apple and Google. Their software and hardware is getting heavy attention and investments since the total addressable market is quite large. They also have a large balance sheet to throw plenty of money into R&D to see who can get to market faster and really get a good grasp on market share. So closing thoughts. Being focused on the consumer industry, fitness is something that I can really get behind, like literally, and makes for a pretty simplistic due diligence given the nature of how tangible it is. Picking a winner or winners in this space will be a combination of analyzing fitness trends for growth, but also management execution to not fall behind with the times. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of an industry deep dive. One last thing. Uh, I appreciate your continued support of Only Alpha and always love hearing from you. Please show your support by liking this post and commenting with any thoughts you might have. If you think someone you know might benefit from this newsletter, 
please share it with them. Thanks a lot, guys, and I'll see you next time.